Okay, we are going through 2 Peter chapter by chapter, verse by verse. That's where we are now. By the way, I, I will have you know that tonight, at our service tonight, we have the last study in the Old Testament. We have been in it for 12 and a half years. So if you would like credit going to the whole thing, I'll give you credit if you come tonight and, and, and listen to the last uh, two chapters of Malachi. And, and, you know, so important, going through the Word of God and becoming a student, not only of the New Testament, but the Old Testament, so rich. You know, the one Bible study we saw Jesus doing, it was of the Old Testament. He took the disciples, two of the disciples, through the Old Testament and all the places in the Old Testament where it spoke of him. Malachi's no different. The last two chapters, all about Jesus. But we're in Second Peter. Please rise for the reading of God's word. We are going to be in verse 5. Again, I should say, if you weren't here for where we were a few weeks ago, verses 5 through 7... This is really part three. The three messages really go together. If you haven't, uh, weren't here when we gave those messages, you may want to get the CDs. They really do go together. Second Peter chapter five. Anyone else need a Bible? If you do, raise your hand. Bible. Chapter one. Second Peter chapter one, verse five. Thank you. But also for this very reason. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours... And abound. You will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the wonderful plan that you have for every man, woman, and child who comes to faith in you. And Lord, though you accept us just the way we are, you love us too much to let us stay that way. And that's what this word is about this morning. Lord, change our hearts, Lord. Even as we open them and expose our hearts to your word, change them. That's what we want. We want to come out of here. Change, Lord Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So let's get right, right back into these verses. We left off a few weeks back. Thank you. Second Peter, written just prior to the Apostle Peter's execution by the Roman Emperor Nero. First Peter, by the way, all about written to Christians who were in a period of suffering. Second Peter 
right before his death. He knows he's going to die. We know that from verse 14 of this chapter. So what does the Apostle Peter want to make sure to communicate before he dies? What does he want to communicate before he dies to followers of Jesus? It's this, never stop growing. Never stop growing. Never stop growing into the likeness of, uh, of Jesus. Now, our natural tendency, the natural tendency we have with our life is to be accomplishment-oriented, to set goals. Everywhere we go, people are saying, set goals, you know, in school or uh, in, in the job, the human resources department, set goals for your goals, set goals. That's why we're just inundated with that in the United States of America. We want to make sure there are certain things we accomplish in our life. I want to get this this far in school. I want to have a career in business and get to at least this level. I want to be a construction guy, a doctor, a, a teacher, a nurse, a cop, an NBA basketball player. We'll be praying for you. I want to be a mom. I want to be a dad. I want to have kids. I want to have kids who grow up to be Christians. I want to um, have a ministry where I help a lot of people. I want to be a pastor. I want to be an evangelist. I want to be a Bible study teacher. I want to help a lot of people. I want a house. I want a retirement. I want to lead at least 20 people before I die into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. We're very goal-oriented. That's the way we think. That's our natural tendency. God is not like that. God is far more concerned, not about what you will accomplish, but who you are becoming. Who you are becoming. We put this up on the projection a couple weeks ago. I'll put it up again. This is, this is God's perspective on your life. For whom he, God foreknew, that means for whoever, for the people who he called into a relationship with him, what, believe it or not, that's what that word foreknew means. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. He is supremely concerned as to who you are and who you are becoming. He wants you to be conformed to the image of his son, not just the priest, not just me. Please don't do that to me. He, 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 you, he wants you to be conformed into the image of his son. And that's why it says here in verse five of Second Peter, it says, with all diligence, which means with all your might, try to become a vice president at your company. Try to become a college professor, a doctor, a builder. A, try to become a mom, a dad, a, a Sunday school teacher, an evangelist. No. He says, with all diligence, add to your faith, Virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to brotherly kind, to, 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 to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. And so we, we put up this, this chart. Here we go. 
Here's this list. You come into the body of Christ with faith. That's all you have. You don't have nothing else, anything else. When you come into the body of Christ, when you come into a saving relationship with the Lord. And, and, and he says, add to that faith. I, I, like, I prefer the translation, some of you have the NIV, moral excellence. And then knowledge, self-control, perseverance, gardenless, brotherly kindness, and love. So in our first two lessons, you know, we got up to godliness. We got all the way up to godliness. If you weren't here, those uh, messages, you may want to get them. But today, I, I want to go get into uh, the last two, brotherly kindness and love, although I do... I do want to go back and dig a little deeper into, into one thing, so, so we'll, we'll get there. But remember, the sense that Peter is giving in, in these verses is that a Christian, at all points of their life, should with all diligence, can we keep that up there, Derek, should be adding all these things, just gobbling all of them up, all the time. However... There's clearly a progression here. There's a progression whereby these virtues, these character traits, they do represent stages in a Christian's life as he or or she grows in their walk with Jesus. At the beginning of a Christian's life, all they have is faith. But they begin to grow and their life begins to be characterized by moral excellence. And what do we say moral excellence was? Well, we put up this, this chart right here. Moral excellence, what is it? Well, it's honesty in the temple, preservation of the temple, clean speech in the temple. That's, that's just something I came up with. Now, the temple, don't think of, you see, temple, don't think of walls, don't think of ceilings, think of your life. The Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, after you become a Christian, and, and, and the Bible says repent, repentance becomes an important thing. You, you start letting go of certain things in your life. Honestly, you start letting go of lying, cheating, stealing, misleading people, hypocrisy. Coming to church or wherever to work or wherever, behaving one way, and then in the home you're another. Preservation of the temple or honoring the temple or keeping the temple clean. So getting rid of drugs, drunkenness, impurity, which includes illicit sex, violence, or, or, or entertainment about those things, clean speech, gossip, criticizing, crude jokes, foul language, sarcasm, you let them go. And, and so after a, a person comes to faith, their, their life, if the Holy Spirit's inside of them, man, if God is inside of you, you're going to start growing. And, and so the life starts to be characterized by this. Now, um, quickly, it says in verse five, at the very beginning, but also for this very reason, with all diligence, add your faith these things. What, what reason? What reason? Verse three is the answer, because his divine power has given to you all things that pertain to life and godliness, or another translation would be his divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness. And then verse four says, by which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. So you take the divine power that's been given you at the time that you come to faith, 
and you add that to all of God's exceedingly great and precious promises, verse 4, you can do it. You can do it. And, and, and you don't say, well, you know, God's going to change me. I'm just going to go about, you know, my life uh, and, and go about my business. And at, at whatever point he wants to make me into a different person, well, that'll happen. No, 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 no. It says, with all diligence, add these things. With all diligence, add these things. So could we get the, the, uh, the list back up one more time, uh, Derek? So after a while, a person's life be- starts to become characterized by, by moral excellence, um, that then, after a while, they begin to grow in their knowledge. Uh, I'm sorry, the next one, the other one, the one before it. And after a while, they begin to grow in their knowledge of the word of God. So what happens? The Bible, this thing that we talk about all the time at Calvary Chapel in the city, becomes their friend, not just something on a shelf that you, whatever you got from your great-grandmother or something, it, it, it becomes a friend. It starts getting marked up, you know, it, it, in the columns. It starts getting marked up. Pretty soon you're memorizing Bible verses. And, and, and you, you come to know a verse for more or less every situation in life that you encounter if you're angry. You know the Bible verse for that. Do not let the sun go down in your anger, Ephesians 4.26. If you're tempted, you know the Bible verse for that. 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man, but God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but with the temptation, he'll provide a way of rescue, of escape. If you're lazy, you know the Bible verse for that. Anyone know it? There's a great one. It's one of my favorites. Proverbs 6.10. A little sleep. A little slumber. A little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will become on you like abandoned scarcity, like an armed man. Ooh. Bible's not into laziness. Proverbs 6.10. It's actually, it's, it's in one other place in Proverbs. But anyway, you accumulate knowledge of the word of God. Your lives begin to be characterized by knowledge. Okay, let's pause. Pause, pause, pause. This is so important. Because in many places, and many times, in me, with many Christians, this is where Christians get stuck. They get stuck in this place. In the knowledge place, the place of knowledge. And, and listen, they get stuck there for years. And here's the tragedy. And I mean, this is a tragedy. Some go for decades and they die without ever rising bu- above a life characterized by knowledge. By knowledge. They never, get, they never go on to a life characterized by self-control. Man, they can quote a, a bunch of verses in the Bible, but man, you watch out for them. I mean, you, you're working at a, uh, uh, at a McDonald's, flipping burgers. And by mistake, man, you, you overcooked their burger. 
and you wrap that thing up and you put it in a bag and fries and a Coke, you give it to them. They lay their teeth into that overcooked burger. They're like, whoa, what's this? They, they come stomping up to you. You gave me this burger. This burger's overcooked. I paid $2.67 for this thing. What is this? What's wrong with this place? This is the second time this has happened to me. And you're like, didn't I just see you coming out of that church right there? Calvary chopped me in the city right there. Didn't I just see you come out? Come on, yeah, I did. I really did. And you know, this, the preacher talked about you this morning. Thou shalt not burn my burgers. The book of Fred, chapter 2, verse 15. You know, this type of thing. And, 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 get, and here's what happens. They run off. And rather than having any remorse about it, they grab anyone they can find and say, you wouldn't believe this place. The second time they gave me a... They've never gotten off this place of knowledge. They've never gotten into self-control. Why? Why is that? And that's why I just wanted to spend a little time this morning on why is it that many folks never get beyond this place? There's some of you in this room sitting down here today. You've been stuck in this place for years. Some of you don't even know it. You have been stuck here for years. Let me tell you why I think, and I can speak from experience because I was stuck there for years. The place of knowledge. Without moving on to self-control, perseverance, godliness, brother kindness, love. Here's what happened. Here's what happens. A man or woman, they begin to read the word of God for the first time. And you know, the Bible says the word of God is living and it's active. Hebrews 4.12. And listen, that's not just a nice sounding expression. It's true. It is living and active. It, the Bible's the word of life. Philippians chapter 2 verse 16 says there's life in it. So what happens to a new believer, they get into the word of God. And I mean, it's someone, it, 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 and I hope every one of you has had this experience. Man, it's like someone took a, a Holy Spirit broadband and like right behind their, their, in their neck there and their whole life, was, whoa, whoa, this whole new world opens up. I can't believe this. This is the word of God. I know the word of God. And, 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 and all the, it's, it's intoxicating. And, and, and they come to know the word of God and it's so intoxicating that because they, they realize the Bible actually says that the natural man, that the world doesn't know about this stuff. And it's intoxicating to the point where they become drunk thinking that they've arrived. They have arrived. I like this verse from 1 Corinthians 8.1. It just says this, knowledge puffs up. With knowledge of the word of God, you start thinking you are something that you are not. Galatians chapter 6 verse 3 says this, for if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. 1 Corinthians 13, 2. It says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, 
but have not love, I am nothing. And so what happens? They get stuck in this place, this place of knowledge. And, and, and here's what happens when you get stuck in this place of knowledge. You begin to rot. You begin to rot. And what happens with something that begins to rot? It what? Stanks. You begin to stink. And instead of people running to you, and I'm like, wow, wow, what, what's this life that, that, that you represent now? No, no, they're running away from you. That's what's going on. And, and this list, if we can go back, Derek, if we can add this list, the rest of the list, it's, it's, more, it's considered more of a nice idea. Just a nice idea. I have knowledge now. But that other stuff, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly, that's nice, but man, I got it. I got it. Well, let me tell you, from God's perspective, it's not just a nice idea. It's not just a nice idea. It's not something that's, you know, God is not just up there checking boxes and thinking, well, she only got to moral excellence. Well, cool. He, he's not like this passive observer. No, it says with all diligence, with all diligence, verse 5, add to your knowledge self-control. So now, last time, we got through godliness a few weeks ago. It's been a few weeks now. Godliness, it's the habit of bringing the Lord, bringing God into every circumstance of life. When you wake up in the morning, you bring God into your thoughts. So oftentimes, I, what I'm thinking, the moment I, my eyes open up, I'm not supposed to be thinking, and I just bring God right in. This is the day that you have made, Lord. Let me rejoice and be glad in it. Great verse. To speak audibly right when you get up. When you get into the shower, you're bringing God right in. When you go to, on the subway, you're, you're bringing God, come in. I need you here. You're at work. You're at school. God, I need you here. At church, Lord, fill me now. I want to be used here. Godliness bringing God into all the circumstances of life. But it doesn't stop there. It says, with all diligence, add brotherly kindness to godliness. Brotherly kindness. What is it? It's the Greek word phileos. The Greek word phileos. Don't think of Philadelphia. They are not a good example of this right here. Phileos, phileos, brotherly kindness is what it is. It's a tenderness towards your brother, sister, in Christ. I like the word like. You guys have heard me talk about this before. Now, this is a problem for me because there's certain people who God brings into my life that I just don't, like. There, so there's people in your life that are in the body of Christ, because this is brotherly, sisterly. It's talking about the body of Christ here. 
They come into church and man, they turn you off. You may have come into church because someone at your work was a Christian and they're like, wow, this is different. I want to go. And then you come and it's like, whoa, what are some of these other people? I thought the one in my work was. And, 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 and the, the people who come into your life, they're awkward. And it is work hanging around them. What does the Bible say? It says, with all diligence, with all your might, you add to godliness, brotherly kindness. But you say the Bible says you don't have to like people. You just have to love them. No, it does not say that. It does not say that. No, don't quote that or I'll scream. The Bible does not say you just have to like people. You have to love them. It says this. 1 Peter 3.8. We were just in this a couple months ago. All of you. Love his brothers, except that guy named Fred. No, it doesn't. All of you love his brothers, love his sisters, except that woman named Lucille. No. We don't get to pick God's children. That's God's choice. So at Calvary Chapel in the city here, every once in a while, someone on the ministry team comes up and says, I'd like to, you know, really help you in the nursery. You know, but can you do me a favor and not put me with that woman, Lucille? This happens. Guess what we say? Oh, sure, yeah, no problem at all. Yeah. We'll make our life miserable making the schedule by accommodating you in your carnality. No, we don't say that. We don't say that. We say God picks his children, not you. And give them a choice. Either you serve God's way or, or this, is, this is the body of Christ. This is, uh, this is we do things uh, the Lord's way here. And I, I do want to, to be very clear about one thing. Derek, can we get the, the list back up again? God is not passive about this. Don't get this idea that God's just going to let you stay in one place. If you're hard-headed in one of these areas, and most people are hard-headed in this one, brotherly kindness, we have some right to choose who we nurture relationships with, who we invite over to our house. It's my house after all, right? No, it's not. It's God's house for God's children. We get really hard-headed in this area, but let me tell you, if you get hard-headed in this area, the Lord's going to get really, really, really involved in your life. I promise. Let me just give you one example. Purely hypothetical. Joe Logrippo. I don't like that guy. Joe, can you just wave to everyone? I just, I, I just have, I just, I just have issues, you know. I decide I, I don't like Joe Logrippo. Uh, you know, I can't deal with him. I, I'm willing to be Christian to a point, you know. I don't like him. I don't like hanging around him. Besides, the Bible says all I have to do is love them. I don't have to like them. I had a preacher 
say, heard, heard them say that once. So what happens? I'm in the stop and shop in aisle three, pulling a bottle of mustard off the shelf. Who's right beside me pulling a bottle of pickles? Joe Logrippo. Hi, Steve. How you doing? Oh, hi, Joe. Hi. I'm at uh, pull up my car at the stoplight in Watertown. Who pulls up right beside me in his convertible? Hey, Steve. Hey, yeah, I know you from church. I go to a Red Sox game. I get a tap on my shoulder. Hey, Steve, that seat right next to you is empty. Mind if I come down? I said, I've got to get out of state. I go up to Vermont. I'm skiing down the slope. Who comes skiing right by me? Ooh, is this scarf going all behind? It's Joe Logrippo. Like, I've got to get out of the country. I go to the other side of the world. I go to the island of Tahiti in the South Pacific. I'm sitting on a beach. I'm looking at the sun. It's setting. It's beautiful. I'm like, this is incredible. I'm, it's just so good. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the sun, there's a little dot, you know? <laughs> and the dot starts getting bigger and bigger. And I'm like, whoa, what's that? You gotta, and it's bigger, bigger. All of a sudden, there's this guy going like this in a rowboat. And he comes and he says, oh, Joe, I, I, I give up. I like you. I do. I not only love you, I like you. You see, that's what you, that's what you have to do. God will get very involved in your life in this area. And he takes it really seriously. He chooses. He chose Joe Logrippo. I'm glad he did. I love him. That's why I can use him for a, I like him. That's why I can use him in this kind of thing. So he, with all might, be nurturing those relationships. Do it. That's what makes someone come in to a church like this and say, wow, surely God is in this place. This is different. Lastly, it says, with all might, with all diligence, add to brotherly kindness, love. Now, the word in the Greek is agape. Now, the difference between brotherly kindness and love is that brotherly kindness is really talking about something that's going on in the body of Christ. Being tender-hearted towards one another. Being tender-hearted towards them. But agape is speaking about loving your enemies. Wow. How do you know you're loving your enemies anyway? How do you know that? I'll tell you one way, you know, that you're actually starting to move and operate in this area. If you have a bunch of voices inside of your head screaming, no, don't do this. Yesterday, I went over to my next-door neighbor's back lawn, and I picked up 50 beer cans, and I put them in a bag. And I knew, man, this is agape love. Why? Because I have voices screaming, what are you doing? They should be picking them up. They had this crazy party, and they're keeping you up all night, throwing their beer cans in the backyard, and you're picking them up? When you hear those voices, you know. It's agape love, baby. 
Jesus says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. You will not see the world loving their enemies. You will not. And that's, so much, that's why God gets so involved until we move into this area because in no other area does the world say, that's different, that's supernatural. There's something about that that I can't argue about. You can't argue against love. You can argue about doctrine and beliefs, but the world's not gonna argue with you against Agape love, when you're operating in that area. Greatest picture of all time of agape love, Jesus on the cross. Jesus on the cross. It says in Matthew 27, it says Jesus was crucified. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right, one on the left. And, and I was just reflecting on this this morning. And when we were in Luke, we, we reflected on this for a few Sundays. It says in verse 45 of Matthew 27, it says, From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And at that point, with all my heart, I believed that the multitude that had come to see him crucified, they bolted. I mean, something strange is going on. It says the sun was darkened. It wasn't because it was raining out. It wasn't because it was overcast skies. It was pitch black. And that torn up, beaten up, unrecognizable body was on the cross for you. Add your faith, moral excellence, add your moral excellence, knowledge, add your knowledge, self-control, add your self-control, perseverance. Add your perseverance, godliness, add your godliness, brotherly kindness, add to your brotherly kindness, love, and when your life begins to be characterized by love, you become a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God wants for you. Now, I want to close with this. Why, you know, we talked about why people get stuck on knowledge and other people get stuck in, you know, one or other of these places is because they don't understand what happened at the cross. Because they go out and fail one day. The next day they go out and fail. The next day they go out and fail. And the next day they go out and fail. And without exception, by the way, every day I fail in this, adding these things to my faith. Every single day I fail. Every hour I fail miserably. But I want you to read 
the last verse with me of Second Peter chapter 3, of the whole letter. Just turn there. This is how he signs off. He signs off like this. He says, grow in the grace and the knowledge. That particular word knowledge is a little different. That includes the relationship with Jesus of our Lord Jesus Christ, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ at the cross where Jesus hung in the dark for three hours for you. Jesus died for all your sins. He died so the stain of your sin would be made, those red as scarlet, be white as snow, totally cleansed. And then he rose from the dead and to pour out what was purchased on the cross, and that is grace, which he gives to you freely. And every time that you fail at this, you can stand in the grace, you can grow in the grace. Every time you get up and continue this, you're growing in grace. You're doing what what Peter asked you to do when he signed off this letter in verse 18 of chapter 3. You're growing in grace because you're understanding that failure's not the end. Until we get a glorified body, until we go to heaven, we're going to have sin in our life. We're going to stumble. But by his grace, growing in grace, we're going to march right up into that place where our life is characterized by love. I think that is so encouraging. That's why I spent three weeks on this. That God has such an incredible plan for my life. And this message is so important today in the year 2014, man. When I think of just everything that kids are exposed to and kids do and they become addicted to, and but by the time they graduate from high school, the damage. What a message of hope that, that, that a child, even no matter what's happened before the age of 18, can come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and begin this walk because all their sin has been cleansed and they've been filled with that grace which has been purchased for them by our Savior, their Savior, who sat on them, sat on the cross for them for three hours in the pitch dark. That image of the cross reminds us we can get there. So let's close now. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And if you've been asked to pray, please come up. Look, if there's something that's stirred around in your heart, you're feeling inadequate, you're looking at that list saying, oh man, I need prayer. Well, we not only pray on Wednesday mornings at 6.45 a.m. and Tuesdays at 6.15 and Wednesdays at 6.30 in, in Dorchester, we pray right here. And if you need, if you need a brother, sister, just to come alongside of you and pray I just want you to come up while this, during this closing song and just say, Lord, 
I've been stuck in this place. I have been stuck in this place of knowledge. I know a lot of facts about Jesus. I know the verse for getting angry. I know the verse for temptation. I know the verse for getting lazy. But man, I don't have self-control. Or I don't have perseverance. Or liking that guy or that woman. I can't do it. Or godliness, bringing godliness into my life. Or, or agape love, this person at work's treating me like an enemy. If you'd like prayer, please come up during the closing worship song. Why don't you rise, and I'll close in prayer, and we will worship. And if you'd like to come up and pray, you can. Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for the grace that was purchased for us when you lay there on the cross alone in the dark for hours you had us on your mind we thank you for loving us in that way and Lord I just pray that we can go out now in strength and power and in the grace that was purchased for us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.